Amen. Good morning. So good to be here and to uh, worship with you this morning. And if you got your Bibles, I want to talk on why we need the body of Christ this morning. Why we need the body of Christ. Uh, you know, we started the first, uh, back when some of these uh, messages went online, we talked about repentance. We talked about how Christ speaks to us through His Son. And we talked about Antichrist spirit. Daniel's talked about, uh, about uh, the deception of the day we're living in and false Christ and false preachers, false teachers, which is very important. Still continuing in that vein. We did that last, this past Wednesday. Absolutely phenomenal and great, great uh, uh, classes that we're having there. And then last week we talked about uh, uh, the Holy Spirit's role is going into the scriptures and showing us Christ, showing us things to come. He wants us to lift our eyes up a little bit higher and to uh, see that there's something much more than this world that's currently around us. There's something, this thing's perishing. This thing's reserved for fire. Uh, th there's something far greater now in, uh, that, that we can lift our eyes up and see that there's a land, there's a day coming where we will be in heaven. There are mansions being prepared. There, there, is, uh, there is an eternal home. There's a time when He'll wipe every tear from our eye. There's a time when there'll be no more viruses. There'll be no more, uh, there'll be no more uh, difficulties, there'll be no more funerals and, and that sort of thing, disruptions. And, but we're not, we're not quite to that place yet. So we're going we're gonna to continue in knowing where we're at in the, in the part of the plan. And right now we're in a place where we definitely, God's designed us to have a, a body. He's, he's the head and, and he has a body. And listen, you cannot be connected to Christ without being connected to his body. It's impossible. It's impossible. You cannot be connected to Christ. The word is clear in this. You can go to places like 1 Corinthians uh, 12 and 27, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. You can go to 1 Corinthians 10. He feeds his body. Do you know what he feeds his body? Do you, do you know if Christ is, Christ is the head and he has a body and we're connected by that body to each other and you, you would be a freak if you were just had a head and no body, you can't live. He has a body. And, and, and you know what? He feeds that body. Do you know how he feeds that body? Anybody got a guess? How about he is the bread come down from heaven and he feeds us with his word and nourishes us and strengthens us. That's why we're here today. We're, we're in this place being strengthened and nourished by the word. Hopefully you've been doing that yourself as we've been apart from each other, so to say. And so we need to be connected by, into his body. And the message is, uh, today is about the importance of being plugged into uh, the church or into Christ's body. In 1 Samuel 23, 16 is where I want to begin. And the first point is that as Christians, we need the body of Christ. As Christians, we need the body of Christ. Uh, here's what he says in, in 1 Samuel 20. Well, just, let's just look at it. I was going to read it. You can go home and read the whole chapter there. Very interesting chapter here. But 1 Samuel 23, 16, and it says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose, went to David at Horesh, and strengthened his hand in God. He went and strengthened his hand in God, the Bible says. God has designed the body, secondly, to be a major source of strength 
in our lives. It's absolutely a strength. The body of Christ is. And I'm learning that more and more and more that we can, there's a source of grace that is here in the midst of the body. We offer grace to one another. We, we offer mercy to one another. There's a, there's a source here of encouragement that we encourage one, one another in the journey. When somebody calls and we're going through what we've been going through lately and we're just down. Listen, I had some days where I just absolutely would be doing great and then all of a sudden one day I would just go through a depression, right? Come on, just cabin fever, literally, that I'm working from home. My whole world got disrupted. When one, one hour, everything changed. We went from a world where everything was the way we liked it and the way we had it. And then all of a sudden, everything changed and everything was fine for a minute. But the longer it drug on and on and on, there were days of, for somebody like me, there were days of melancholy that would come on me. And I needed someone. And about that time, my friend Melvin would call or somebody would call that I really depend on and would pray with me or talk with me. Briston, one day in particular, my friend Briston, who used to preach here, who lives in Orlando one day, one day, I mean, literally, it was the Holy Spirit like no other that he called me one morning. We have a, we have a standing call that we, that we have once a month where we have prayer together. Once a month, we're praying about some things for each other, about character, about loving our wives as the church throughout the month. And then we, uh, and then we come back together and we pray literally over the phone. And so we have a standing meeting where we do that. And, and that day, I, 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 Briston, if I've ever had a friend, it reminds me of my wife, uh, somebody that is literally in tune with the Spirit of God. That and it's because they listen so well. And Briston started out talking to me and he said, Brad, what, what's going on? And, and literally, I just un, unburdened my heart to him. And man, the advice he gave me that day was absolutely life-giving, life-giving, encouraging, get, brought me out of that, of, that, of that pit or that place, so to say. So, so it's a source of grace, a source of, of strength, a source of encouragement, the, the body of Christ did. God, if you remember, He, he uses David. Uh, he grows up, He uses David, and all of a sudden, at a certain point, He begins to use David more and more and more in some powerful ways. And Saul, who is king at this time, begins to get jealous about David being used used in the ways that he's been used. You remember the songs that got sung about David? David's, uh, Saul has killed his thousands and David's his tens of thousands. Well, so that didn't set too well when all the maidens out there are raising their voice up to this guy rather than to the king. And so he begins to get upset and he begins to persecute David, uh, the Bible tells us, if you remember. And, and so uh, David, in this particular passage, we're going to see that David flees and runs into the wilderness away from Saul. And the, the question that you would be asking ourselves is why did David hide in the wilderness? Why did David hide in the wilderness? And the logical answer, if I were to ask, the probably the logical answer that I would begin to get shouted back this morning, well, he's running from Saul, right? I mean, it not seem like the logical answer, but that's not the real answer. The real answer is, it's what David learns in the wilderness and what God is doing to prepare him to be king. He's allowed Saul to run him into the wilderness. Can I tell you folks, this whole thing has not caught God off guard. This coronavirus has not 
caught God off guard. We need to be in the place where we have been. We needed to be allowed to be run into certain places to do some pruning and do some things in our lives that, that we sure can't do in and of ourselves, that only the hand of the Father can do. And, and here is Saul is chasing now an instrument and a tool uh, in the hand of God that's actually chasing Saul, uh, chasing David, but it's absolutely going to play, you know, everything the enemy does. He, he runs somebody. There's two sides of everything. If a trial. The enemy says, I'm going to destroy Raymond in this trial. And, and, and God says, don't worry, Raymond, because I'm going to flip it. What he comes in and uses, I'm going to turn for good. I'm going to turn and bring out a deeper walk with God, a deeper faith, a, a victory like he could never imagine. So he can take something that just looks so evil, like a coronavirus or something that absolutely looks like it's going to be your devastation, your ruin, a tragic end. And God can do, he can just flip it for good. He can turn it right on its head and say, oh, Aha, Satan, look at that. And we can come out of that thing absolutely uh, mightily used. And so he's training the future king in this wilderness. And, and it's absolutely awesome, this king in training. So what did David learn in this schoolhouse that was chosen for him? It's kind of why I called the lessons we're going to do the school of Christ. Because Christ wants to teach us some things about the days ahead. So what did David, maybe he's preparing some of us for future assignments. I believe a lot of this is to get us into future assignments that he has for us in the body of Christ. We, we won't listen. We're too scared to move out of the places we're in. And, and so God says, I got a way of moving you into those places. I got a move, way of moving you into the assignments that I have for you in the places that I have. And that's what he's doing right here in David's life. And so what did David learn in the wilderness? Well, number one, he learned, the Bible says, the supernatural preservation of God. He learned, he, he learned that God is my defense. Right. And we're about to learn that too. Come on. A better defense than Uncle Sam. A better defense than 401k. A better defense than your job. A better defense than your house. A better defense than, uh, the, than whatever. Look at what it says in 1 Samuel 23, 14. And David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day there, but God did not give him into his hand. He didn't give him into the hand of Saul. If you remember times before this, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that David went out and David fought. He was always on the offenses. He's always getting his little slingshot out and getting some pebbles in his pocket. And he was always going out and protecting those sheep he was guarding. He was always going out and killing a lion. With, with his bare hands, killing a, 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 you know, a bear and, and taking him just ugh, and, and just destroying him. But now all of a sudden the Bible says uh, that he's in a place now and, and he's having to learn that God is his defense. He's having to learn that, 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 that God, even Goliath, he went down in that valley just kind of on the offensive. Hey, why are y'all hiding? Who, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? Let me add him. You know, and I know he went in the spirit of God and in the power of God, but, but still, he, now he's at a place. See, what, what can happen there is uh, now is he comes to a place and he finds strength in his God. David's learning that in the wilderness, I have no defense, uh, then God is my defense. Listen to what he says in what Isaiah 41, 14 says. It says, fear not, you worm, Jacob, I will help you. I love that because uh, uh, here's, here's the story about a worm. 
it, 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 for the gardeners. It has no defense. Right? If I see a worm right there that when I dig in the dirt and I don't like that worm, all I got to do is, right? It has no hands. It has no It can't do anything. It's absolutely helpless. And, and Isaiah is saying here in this passage of Scripture, fear not, you worm, Jacob. Fear not, I will help you. Fear not, America. Locked in your homes. Not being able to go to church. I, you have no defense. You're scared. You're afraid at what's coming on the earth. I, fear not. I will help you. I'll help you. I'll be your refuge. And that's what he's doing. Look what he said. He's saying, hey, look, you're running like an animal caged up in all these caves. I've been to Israel, rode down those roads. I saw the caves. I saw where David was hunted like a wild man. I saw in Gedi and the place where he was in these places. And I'm telling you, it was also awesome. But it says that he sought him every single day, but God did not give him into his hands. We have a sovereign God who can protect us. We have a God who can can watch over us. We have a God that will look after us and be there for us and absolutely be our refuge and our strength. He'll be our strong tower that the righteous can run in and they can be safe from all the storms and all the rage, uh, the things that rage against us. Number two, David is learning in the wilderness how to be a very tender leader. He's learning in the wilderness how to be a very tender shepherd king. God needs a shepherd king. And look at what it says. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life and David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh, the Bible says. It, David, David saw that Saul was coming to seek his life and David was in the wilderness of Ziph. Now that doesn't make a lot of sense to you until I tell you what the word Ziph means. Ziph is a word that, that literally means uh, to tenderize. To tenderize. Now something that's real, real popular these days and that we bought is now you don't have the old pressure cooker, but now you got all these new Instapots and stuff. But a pressure cooker is designed to do one thing, to tenderize. It puts so much pressure on it that it tenderizes. And God says, I'm moving you into the wilderness, a wilderness of pressure. And, and, and in the pressure, I'm going to tenderize your heart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work things into your heart like the Word of God, like forgiveness. Like I'm going to work things into your heart in the pressures, uh, uh, situations that I'm leading you into. And you're going to come out. It's going to tenderize the meat or tenderize the heart, so to say. And, and, and you're going to find yourselves in, in situations where you're overwhelmed, where you're in pressure like David was every single day of his life. But God says in that place, every day while you're being hunted under Tremendous pressure, David. You can't see what I'm doing. I'm turning you into a shepherd king. I'm turning you into a tender, tender man of God. I'm turning you in. I'm working gentleness into you. I'm working compassion into your heart. And listen, the devil is afraid of a man or woman that has the tenderness of God and the compassion of God. That's why Paul wrote, it's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. He wants to work kindness into some of you. Oh, you got the word figured out. But there's bitterness there. And when we preach it, it comes out so ugh, like, I'm not, like I'm against you and not for you. Like God's against you and not for you. And God wants to work a, a tenderness in there. Yes, tell the truth. 
Yes, the truth is men are condemned. Men need salvation, but he wants to work a, 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 a compassion into you and a tenderness into you and make you into uh, the gentleness, a gentle, uh, that, that seem our flesh recoils at that. But God is gentle. We always refer to the Holy Spirit as a gentle man, right? A gentleman. But, but, but then we ourselves don't think it's good to act that way ourselves. That's a characteristic and an attribute of God that He so wants into His people. And He's working that into David. What else did David learn in the wilderness? Number three, David learned to draw strength from the people of God. He learned to draw strength from the people of God. 1 Samuel 23, 16, And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose up and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over all of Israel. Now David learns here because early in his life, David was a man that could go down and he could go down into um, uh, he he could go down into the battle, and and shortly after his victory with Goliath, he, he he comes all by himself. He cuts the head off and begins to walk back into town with the head of Goliath, uh, showing it off. And and David could really, if he's not careful, could begin to begin to think, "Hey, I don't need anybody. I got this thing. You know, I, I really don't need to uh, to worry about needing anybody else." And we can get that out. Who just said that a while ago, we can get that attitude of, hey, I, I won a battle back there and I didn't seem to have to have anybody else. I'm all right. But, 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 but David learned something in this time. He learned the value of a brother in Christ. He learned the value of a sister in Christ. And at the end, when another giant he has to face at the end of his life, he did need somebody else to come and, 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 and de uh, defeat that giant for him. He, need, he could not be alone in that battle at the end of his life. And so we need to learn that as well. We need to know that in the wilderness there comes a time when you learn the value of a brother or sister in Christ and that's exactly what Jonathan Jonathan come and go home and read it Jonathan coming to David in a time like this you do not know the worth and the value that was for David for David when this brother came that that knew David was going to be the next in line to be king and he was going to fall below that and it's just amazing the love that Jonathan came and the risk that Jonathan took in order to go to David knowing his own head could be taken off by his father for betraying him. He comes to David and really comes and it's this is a type of the body of Christ and the value of a brother and sister in Christ, which leads us to Hebrews 10, 25, which Diane quoted just a little bit earlier. And it says this, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Don't forsake being plugged in together. Don't forsake it. Now, hard times, you may be doing that in a cave. Hard times, you may be doing that in the woods. Hard times, you may be doing that in a living room. Hard times, you may be doing that out in, the, out in a yard or in a barn. Or you may be doing it in a church. But, but, but don't forsake the being plugged in together with other believers. Uh, the Bible says, if you want to go all the way with God, if you want to be strong in God, you must stay plugged into a group of people that are serving the Lord together. The enemy is convincing people during this quarantine that, that, that we don't need, that we're okay to be separate and we don't need to be, have each other. And that's just, we, we desperately need to stay 
stay connected. The Word says all the more as you see the day approaching. All the more as you see the day approaching. What is the day that's approaching? The day of Christ. The day when Christ comes. As that day draws nearer, we're going to need each other all the more. Why? Because the days are going to grow more evil and more evil and more evil and more evil and we're going to need this. We're going to need encouragement. We're going to need strength. We're going to need prayers. We're going to need to break bread together. We're going to need to do communion together. When we're confused about a scripture we're reading, we're going to need to ask somebody to help us understand that scripture and to pray with us and to lead us through those times. So, 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 so we're going to need to be plugged into the body of Christ. And here's what I know Marcy and I get so confused about is I'm shocked at the indifference of people and seeing the importance of gathering together. It's just like they don't even care. It's just like there's this indifference like it doesn't even matter if we get together. And I hear things like this. Well, you know, the building's not the church. Well, that, 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 duh, McFly. The problem is I don't see any of you meeting in a, in a field. The problem is I don't see any of you meeting in a, in a, in a, in a, in a building somewhere. Or living room somewhere. I see you being introverts, isolated in some room with a headset on your head and you don't want to be around anybody. You don't want to give yourself. And you don't want to take. You don't want to give and you don't want to receive. There may be days we have to do that. We did have to do that. But there ought to be a merging out of that, wanting to be with people in the body of Christ, physically wanting to see a brother, physically wanting to break bread together, physically wanting to open the Word of God up with each other, physically wanting to share our abundance with each other, physically wanting to have a hug or a handshake. Right? So many see going to church as an option. Well, if I wake up in time, I'll go. Well, if I feel good today. Some of you listen to feelings way too much. Guess what? If you got a sinus infection, treat it and keep going. Uh, you know, some of us, I think, never got nourished enough. Let God nourish you. And let's, you know, sometimes you just got to go. Luke's got his leg half cut open right now from this weekend. And sometimes don't be like Luke. Who needed to go get stitches, I heard, and got a gash this big. Put super glue in it and just kept going. But, 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 if I feel like it, I'll go. And I've heard people say, I don't need the church or fellowship to walk with God. And sadly, they can't see that their lack of walking in fellowship with other believers, how shallow their walk with God really is. Yes, ouch. Because you have made my walk with God better. Through the good times and through the bad times. When we've rubbed each other wrong and got along and when we haven't. I have needed that in my life. 
Just like I need a wife that's not just like me. And the difficulties and the things where we rub each other cause me to learn to forgive, cause me to learn to get over impatience, cause me to learn to love when I don't feel like loving. And that's the same thing in this room. That's the same thing with the body of Christ. I can't become a better person or grow or mature or have go through the testing and the trials that I need to go through to refine me without that friction and rubbing and without that love and nurturing some of the places that I needed to be loved and nurtured in. My wife has done that and it's been absolutely phenomenal the healing that has come through that and God ultimately has done that. But I'm telling you, we need each other for these things and when you don't gather with other believers, it, you may think you're doing just fine but you're not growing as well as you think you're growing. And it shows. It shows. It's impossible to become mature followers of Christ without being plugged into the body of Christ somewhere. So God's design is this. What we become, we become together. And some of us don't like that, that God designed it that way. But He did. What we become, we become together. Listen to what he says in Ephesians 2.19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. He's our Father. We don't have any problem calling Him Father, but sometimes we have a problem embracing His family. What father does not want his family to like each other? Love each other. Play with one another. Help one another. Be joy with one another. Laugh with one another. Meet with one another. My, my, Marcy's um, family, one thing they've always done, man, is, uh, is, is her, and I know her mother, just absolutely the greatest thing in the world to her is when there's a family reunion and she's looking out and all her children are together and the family's together and they're throwing footballs out there and they're eating chicken and they're, you know, or if you're in North, you're eating beef, but whatever, you're in, but, but they're all out there and they're laughing. The family is together and the divisions and, the, and, and whatever, we just said, aside and we come together and that our father in heaven he has to just love when he sees his children go scatter out all over the world and then come back together at times and just to be together and laugh and cut up and pray play for, with one another and pray for one another and go to each other's houses and help them move furniture and be there for one another it's just absolutely beautiful and it's essential that we grow in closer in community he desires that we always are moving towards each other and we should be moving towards each other when Jesus removed the barrier that separated us. He moved the middle wall of partition. He moved, removed the barrier from Jew and Gentile, that friction, that hatred, that, 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 that division between, uh, the, the, between the world. He, he, he removed all of that in order that we can have what we have here today, that the body can be one and we can all come together in Christ as our head and we part of His body. And so He shed His... But You want to talk about staying on the cross, Taylor? He stayed on the cross so you could have this. He stayed on the cross so the division that Satan had sown in humankind could, could finally come to be gathered together in Christ. And we could be brought together and we could be one body, one spirit, one Lord, one baptism, one faith. 
He, to, to, to bring everything together in His Son. To, to just consummate everything that had been fragmented and been destroyed and, and been sown a, a, a terrible nature into us. He did that. So, so God places us into this family in order to, to change us. He does. To change us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's what He does. It's necessary that when you become a Christian and come down, one of the things we fail to do sometimes is get people plugged in. But you're, you see that with your, your old-time evangelist. Take a Billy Graham. One of the first things he would do is go out and evangelize. And then he would make sure you got plugged in somewhere. They'd follow up to make sure you got placed into a body somewhere that you could, you could gather with like believers and fellowship and grow. You don't take a baby and just drop them somewhere by themselves. They need to be nurtured. They need to be fed the, the, the Word of God. They need to be loved on. They need to be strengthened. They need to be prayed over. And, and when the mind is attacks come, when, 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 the, when the difficulties come, they need a couple of people to come in and help in that situation. So let's break these verses that I want to give you lastly in Ecclesiastes. And this is the last point. God's people are the strongest when they're united together. And I, I want you to look at this, this passage of scripture, because it says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to the one who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up again. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, we often use these verses in marriage but I want to use them what I, and, that, and that's correct, but I want to use them on what I really think is really, really correct. And, and, and that's strength that comes with being united with the body of Christ. Look at what it says in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil or labor. In the, in the, in the new covenant, what I believe that saying is, that, that we are more productive together in the harvest. We are more productive in the work of the Lord when we're not by ourselves. We are more productive when we come together with our talents, with our gifts, with our money, with our resources. We can do far more than if we just say, well, I'm fine being at the house by myself and I can just do this thing, walk with God by myself. No, God's saying you are far more productive when you come together with a body somewhere. And that doesn't have to be this body. It can be all the bodies scattered around here and there and everywhere and all over the earth. But when you come together and you meet regularly, you need to be planted. You need to stay and be planted. You, you can't grow if you're just hopping here, there, and everywhere. You need to be planted so you can grow. You need oversight. You need protection. You, you want to make sure you're fed, you're nourished, you're strengthened. You're protected from the false doctrines and theologies. And, and, and so a, a body is so, so, you have fathers and mothers in that, in that body that help protect and help nurture and help guard and help keep and, and, and elders and overseers. And so all those things are important. But God's saying that in the body, it, God is designed his church this way that that uh, that when we come together that, that that our labor is better and our toll and a lot of times the reason people don't want to do this is because they don't want to come under authority they don't want anybody telling them what to do and you know what Satan does <laughs> then why when 
You say, I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Why do I have to listen to you when you don't even listen to the authority of your leadership? You ain't going to come under authority. I'm not coming under authority either. And, and, and so, so, so uh, you can't cast down rebellion with rebellion. You remember that? Do you remember it? Did you read that? Go home and read that in your Bibles. You can't cast rebellion down with rebellion. So, so coming under authority is so vital, and I feel a cold chill come in the air. But, the, but it's the truth. It's the Word of God. Satan can't cast out Satan. You got to decide whose side you're going to be on, and, we, and 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 that's a great thing while we're quarantined. If you want to learn something, learn the importance of authority. It goes in hand in hand with faith, and we all come under the authority of somebody and something. And you know what? It's not. Yeah, it starts with God, but it comes down through His channel and His chain of command. It's just the fact of life. And guess what? Our flesh recoils and hates doing it. And so in a free country, we just say, I ain't doing it. I'll stay home and I'll get it by myself. But you're going against the very design of God. And so we need to, we need to really, really uh, know that being productive and plugged into the body of Christ is so important. Look at verse 10. For if they fall down, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to the one who is alone when he falls down and has not another to lift him, down, lift him up. Now look, not everybody here is going to backslide, but I can tell you what everybody is going to do. You're going to get discouraged from time to time. Tell me somebody in this room who doesn't get discouraged or didn't get discouraged in what we just faced. And I'm going to tell you what, in that moment, the Bible says that two are better than one and isolation is dangerous. And when you have somebody that can come that, that with the anointing of God, they can lift you up. They can do what I said about my friend Briston that begins to read Scripture or begins to pray. And all of a sudden, there's anointing that comes upon him. And in his prayer, it begins to lift me up. It begins to lift me out of the discouragement, out of the depression, lift my eyes higher where I can see gazelles. If you've ever watched nature, Marcy and I have gotten to where we watch nature sometimes because there's nothing else to watch that's decent. And so sometimes you see nature, but I heard somebody talking about a nature example, and we probably have seen one like this, but where gazelles were out, uh, 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 out, out in a bunch and lions began to encircle those gazelles. And what began to happen when those lions encircled the gazelles, one of the great defenses that the gazelles had is they put their heads down and get Get in a huddle and they stick their horns out and all of a sudden all the lions don't know what to do because they're all together and their horns are stuck out and they're a great defense so here's what the lion does he begins to do what lions do so well Roar! i'm glad i woke some of you up that are asleep he roars he roars and when he does some of the weak ones run get scared and run out of the pack and I don't guess I need to tell you what happens when a little one runs off and isolates itself out of the tack. Bam! It's gone. It's dead. And that's exactly what Satan wants you to think. That, that when you go through problems, I don't need... I, let, me just, let me just... You know, see, I'm an isolationist, so I understand this. We were talking about this last night, me and Taylor. Is that when I have... Uh, when I fail God, when I, when I get disappointed, when I make a mistake, when I just go having a bad day or going through that depression, rather than me wanting to reach out to Briston, which I need to do, or one of you, I, I go inward and begin to withdraw into myself and just kind of say, when I 
get this worked out inside of me, then I'll go back to church. Then I'll call my brother or my sister. Then that's that. You know what that is? That's a gazelle going off away from the flock and being a prime target for the enemy to pick off, to get on, onto a pornography website or to get you to go back and drink a bottle or to get you to do something uh, that you shouldn't do or, or to just get you at ease in Zion. And, and, and so we need to stay together. We need to, we need to fight through that and know that God provides the grace to come out of that place. And when we begin to feel that coming on, we need to say, hey, wait just a minute. I need to call my brother. I need to call my sister. I need to, I need to reach out to somebody. I need to go to church today, even though I don't feel like going to church today. I need to meet with some believers because I see what the enemy is doing now. He's roaring. He's trying to get me in fear. He's trying to isolate me so he can pick me apart and pick me off. But when I'm in, when, when two are better than one and, and two uh, are, are, are absolutely much better. Look at verse 11. Again, if two lie together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And, and, and so, so, so number one, two are better together because they're more productive in the work that God wants us to do. Two are better than one because we can encourage each other when we get down and fall and discourage it. Thirdly, we can transform each other. We, we, we literally transform each other when, we, when we're together. Uh, how, how many barbecue people do I have? I'm an old grass grill man. I like to just go out there and push a button and it just go... Like cook it in like three seconds. But charcoal or coal, if you take a lump of coal that is hot and put it by itself, it will cool off. You can't, you can't cook a steak with one lump of coal. But when you gather that coal together, it produces heat. It feeds off of each other and all of a sudden it gets hot, very hot, so that you can, it transforms that piece of meat. It transforms what you're cooking because of the heat that's involved in it. And he's saying right here that, that, that when you come together, that's how God designs the body of Christ, that when you come together, if you're plugged into the body, you're, he says, I'm generating faith off of that sister to you. He's saying, when the body comes together, I'm generating love off of that sister to you. And when he, when he does that, he's saying, and it's affecting you when you come together. Their faith is affecting your faith. Their love is affecting your love. Their, their mercy is affecting your mercy. Their forgiveness is affecting your forgiveness. Their grace is changing your life and turning you and, and changing my life. So when we come together, the Bible says that it transforms us. It transforms us. And then... The Bible says in verse 12, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. When we come together, we're strengthened. We're strengthened. You take one cord and you bring it together with another cord, and it makes it doubly strong. But Corey will know this. If you take a third cord, because he loves tying ropes, but you take a third one, and it makes it like 15 to 20 times stronger. And God's saying, when, when you come together in my body, when, when, you come, when you're united as one in my body, there is a strength that comes to you. There's a strength. There, 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 there. And what he's saying, the rope is this. The rope is me. He, the rope is, is me. The rope is God. And the rope is the body of Christ. 
Okay? Me, you, God, and the rest of the body of Christ. That's the three-corded strand. And, and we're united as a family that we're productive, we're encouraged, we're transformed, we're strengthened when we're plugged in. And Paul says lastly in Colossians 3 and 11, this is what he talks about the church. And here's what he says in a couple of, of scriptures. He says, here there is not a Greek or a Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, uh, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And what he's saying is there's no more division here between any of us. Jesus has made a family right here. And, and, and you got to think what Paul's saying. This is really miraculous and I'm, I'm closing. But this is what he's saying. He's saying, you got to understand when the church came together and you had Jew and you had Greek and they're coming in the church in competition with one another and, they, and they're both stubborn and they're both hard-headed and they're coming into the church together with all their bigotries, with all their prejudices, with with all their offenses where they've offended one another in their nations and done all this kind of stuff against each other. Can you imagine now God coming in and saying, I want you to be united. I want you to be one and I want you to be together. And folks, Paul is saying, he's saying that in his body, God is given the grace to overcome those prejudices those bigotries, those offenses. And Paul knew that it would take that grace. And it will take that grace here to do that. It takes that grace in every gathering in the world today where you've got black, white, red, yellow, every nationality under the sun. you got some people who believe this way, far on this part of the spectrum. And you got somebody who believes way on this other part of the spectrum. And God is saying, now I want you to come together and I want you to be my family. And it's going to take grace. It's going to take grace. It's going to take a lot of grace. But I'm going to work through that and I'm going to make you into the family of God. And so here's how you do that. See, Scythians and, and, and barbarians were totally opposites in the culture. And they had a lot of problems with each other. And this is the last scripture. But here's what he goes on to say that we have to do in order to do that. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Here's how you can do that. Here's how you can do that in the body of Christ. Put on God's chosen ones. I hope we'd all say we're God's chosen here today. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience with one another. Let the weaker, let the stronger support the weaker. Not push them down, not fuss at them. Let them, let them be patient with them. Bearing with one another. Bearing with, not running down the road to a new church when you get upset at somebody and carrying all that mess somewhere else. Bearing with one another. Not divorcing off. Learning to deal with it and to get through the situations through the grace of God. And if there be one that has a complaint against another, forgive them. As the Lord. Well, I can't do that. We'll read the next. As the Lord has forgiven you and will again before you die, so you also must forgive. Paul in these verses says, forbear with one another. Put up with the different personalities. Put up with the one who wears the mask and the one who doesn't. Put up with the one who's different. Put up with each other. Forbear with one another. With the personalities that rub you wrong and the ones that don't. Put up with them. Grow deeper. 
in the love of God, learning to forgive and to be patient. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. God, we need the body of Christ. Lord, I know this message you laid on my heart. It was a surprise to me that this would be one of the first messages that we would come back and preach, God. It wouldn't be the one that I would choose. But Lord, you chose it. And I believe it's a very vital message to us, God, going forward. We need the Scriptures. We need repentance ongoing in our life from here to the end of time. We're going to continue to live a life of repentance over and over and over and over, God. Until You come, You're working things into our hearts and into our lives, God. We, we want to be searched. We want to know, God, uh, Lord, that, uh, uh, that, that we're living and growing and being sanctified by, by truth. Thy Word is truth. And Father, we, we, want to have, we want Your Son. We know You speak to us by Your Son in these last hours. We know You want to speak through to us in the Scriptures. And we know that the Holy Spirit is working to reveal the Scriptures to us and show us things to come. And God, we know You have a body. You have a body on this earth, God. And You want us to be united, God. You are the head and we are the body. And we, 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 we are fed by Your Word. We're nourished and God, we grow together. We grow together, God. The eye can't say to the, to the foot, I don't need you. And the hand can't say to the knee, I don't need you. We need each other. And the less honorable parts are made more honorable, God, so that we're all one in Christ. And Father, I ask for Your grace in this body in the days ahead. I ask for Your grace to help us to continue to see the importance of gathering in Your name. Ask for the importance, God, in the grace of learning to forbear with one another, learning to forgive each other, learning to love one another, learning to prefer my brother more or my sister more than I would want to prefer my own self. God, learning to give of myself, learning to deny myself and to take up my cross and to follow you, God. I pray for a, a, a fresh baptism of love. Love God. Love God like You have. Love. If there's one thing this crisis has revealed in this world that we have a real lack of is love. We have a real lack of love in this, in this world, God, right now. And God, we need... The church should not be a place where that is said about them, God. Baptize us with love. Fill us with love now with the love of Christ that caused Christ to be a man and to give Himself on the cross for us and to stay on that cross to stay on that cross. God, what love. No, no, no other man has love like that than that he would lay down his, his, his life for a friend. And God, you're just an amazing God. That was proof of how the song that we began to sing at the beginning. Yeah, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. Oh, Jesus, you love us. You love us. You stayed on that cross. And should anyone doubt that love, may they only revisit Calvary and look upon the Lamb who's hanging there taking away the sins of the world. Oh, Father, thank You for the love of God. Thank You for the love of God. And if there's one here in this place and they're outside of the family of God, they're outside of the kingdom of God, Lord, there's one way in and it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's through the door of Jesus in Jesus' name, amen.